Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. You know, if you call yourself a Christian today, there's many names for what you are biblically. We can be called a follower of Christ, a believer, disciple, children of God, servant, uh, the one that all men struggle with, bride of Christ, uh, saint. And we heard that in the song there, didn't we? Blood-bought saints. I love that line. And uh, friend of God, the elect. That's pretty cool. What about this flattering one? Sheep. All of those are worthy of a sermon in themselves. And the one that I'm going to focus in on today is mentioned in 2 Corinthians. It's like, I've got to be honest, it's not the most exciting word. And in fact, when I was telling uh, Cheryl about this, the, the title of my sermon, she said, sounds good, but can you change the name of it? It's a bit boring. Uh, so, and you'll see, why, you'll see why in a moment. But it actually, when we delve into it, and when I heard this title about 11 years ago, I was deeply, deeply um, impacted by it. It really challenged the way that I think and speak and act in front of unbelievers. Okay, so knuckle in. Are you ready for the word? Fantastic. I want you, if you do have your Bibles, to open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians, Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, verse 17. I'm reading from the ESV version. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our mission. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Did you catch the noun there? Ambassadors for Christ. As I said before, it does sound like a really bad heavy metal Christian album title from the 80s. Ambassadors for Christ. But it actually is pretty cool when we delve into it. Now, I don't know what your understanding of an ambassador is. Uh, You might think, um, automatically think politician. And this is not a political sermon today, I promise. Or someone who represents their nation in a far off land. They are the living, breathing policy of their country. They've got to fully represent their government, their current government, as they represent in a far off land. They occasionally appear on the news without much fanfare. They have a pretty subdued personality and are definitely not self-opinionated, at least not publicly, because they are representing their government. You might picture some stately diplomat whose job it is to be the go-between for two foreign countries. This person might negotiate agreements, meet with foreign leaders, even play the part of peacemaker when trouble arises. Oprah Winfrey was recently appointed the ambassador for hugs by the United Nations. It's true. It's true. That's a good use of money, isn't it? Yeah. But that's not the ambassador Paul is talking about here. He's calling us ambassadors for Christ. And before we delve in, I want us to remember that whilst Jesus is our friend, Jesus, you are my best friend, uh, he is first and foremost our king, isn't he? 
I always remember that every time I come into worship. Um, and we can hold our heads high and celebrate when we come to worship, but always remembering Christ as our King. And our kingdom is not of this world. We serve a King, and the Bible says our citizenship is actually in heaven. We have a dual citizenship. Well, you might have three or four, but uh, our citizenship is that in heaven. You can tell the people you have a dual citizenship now. Australia and, and heaven. And our kingdom is not of this world. Jesus said in John 15, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen? Amen. Our king is coming back soon and his kingdom will be established on earth and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and know with a shadow of a doubt that he is the king of kings. One of the greatest lies fed to mankind is that this time on earth is limited. We're only here to... Make lots of money, work hard, play hard, travel, make a name for ourselves, retire and die. Whether it's a current manifesto of live your truth, whatever that is for you, or the old millennial YOLO, remember that one? (laughs) We only live once. Or the old Corinthian way of thinking, live, eat, for tomorrow we die. But we know as Christ followers that our time on earth is to serve our King and help His kingdom grow and to let people know the truth the truth, so that they can break free from what they think it's about, that they think that only what we see, hear, and touch is all there is, that it's just a bunch of atoms. But we know it's about eternity. This time on earth is really just the audition to the main event. It's just a warm-up act. It, it, this, this, this time on earth is so short, and what, how, what we, the choices we make here, the decisions we make, and what we set up is for eternity. It's important as ambassadors that we remember that. However, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul really ramps up his challenge to the church, calling this a higher calling. So this is a challenge to us today. If you're ready for a challenge, incline your ears to the message. I honestly think Bright is ready for a higher calling. I've said this a few times this year, and I have the vantage point of leading worship and being up on stage. And I can honestly say in my seven years here, I've never seen the church ready to go deeper in maturity and deeper for the things of God. I honestly mean it. I see it from up here, and I think we're ready for a higher calling. Number one, an ambassador serves. In 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 to 12, King Haram of Tyre, which is modern-day Lebanon, sent an ambassador to the new king Solomon of Israel who received the ambassador properly and sent him back with a message that he planned to build God's temple and he hoped to do business with Haram. Solomon would pay Haram's men fair wages for their work, cutting cedars to be used in God's temple and through the ambassador Haram sent back a message that he would happily comply. So an ambassador of Christ helps serve their church and their community. Okay, We're actually created to serve. An ambassador would live and serve in a foreign land, and so we too serve God in this foreign land. Philippians 3, verse 20, as I said earlier, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. To sit back and always receive uh, isn't the best thing for us. There are times, there is absolutely times to sit back in church and receive. And when Cheryl and I first came here seven years ago, we certainly had a period of receiving. We had served 20 years straight in ministry and we needed a bit of time just to sit under some great teaching 
and uh, bask in that. But we knew that was just for a short time. God would call us back into service again. And because true joy is in serving. And I'm, I'm sure everyone that's serving will say yes to that. You know, and it, can, it means getting here early and it means rolling up your sleeves a bit more and, and, and hanging around a little bit afterwards. But honestly, I find true joy in that. Serving other people is actually a really, really God-given thing to do. But we're also here to serve our community. And I think the church is slowly getting there, slowly starting to understand that we are here to serve our community as well. That gone are the days, sad to say it, where we create a service and expect the world to come flooding in. People do come in. And we've had stories of people going past, seeing the sign and coming in. We're going to pray for that to continue. But we've also, between Monday to Saturday, we've got to take Christ and the church out into our communities, into our workplaces. Also, look at what the community is doing and team up with it. That's what people are doing. That's what other churches are doing. Now they're going, rather than trying to get everyone to us, we can also go and help with what the community is doing. And that's what we're realizing is really, really powerful. So we serve the church and our community. Chaplaincy is also a great way of doing this. Got a couple of good, really good quotes here. Albert Pine said, What we do for ourselves dies with us. What we do for others and the world remains and is immortal. Michael J. Graham said, Service is what prayer looks like when it gets up off its knees and walks around in the world. That's pretty cool. I knew my wife would like that one. <laughs> Number two, an ambassador is a peacemaker. They help settle uh, disputes sometimes, ambassadors. In Judges 11, 12 to 28, Jeff Thath, there's a lot of H's in, in that name. Jeff Thath, can everyone say that? Jeff Thath, it's good for the tongue. Sent messages to the Ammonite king asking why the king had a quarrel with him. Why do you have a beef with me, man? What's, what's, what's the issue? Why is there a problem? And these messengers, those ambassadors went back and forth between the two kings communicating the issues and reasonings surrounding the land dispute in an attempt to bring the matter to rest so there's ambassadors help negotiate peace and we as ambassadors for christ we are used as peacemakers between two realms we are to be peacemakers amen we know that only the saving grace of god brings true peace lasting peace not temporary peace lasting peace and we want to deliver that message to as many people as we can because we know we want to see them receive that peace and we can do this in our workplaces in our unis in our schools in our coffee clubs wherever we meet in the mother's clubs uh new new mums clubs whatever wherever we meet with non-christians we can do this in a way that isn't over the top or offensive and this is not uh just a evangelism message today and we need evangelists we do those that are unashamed to go out and share the message. They have guts. They have a boldness that's amazing if you have that spiritual gift. But this is a message for all of us, okay? And there's a way that we can, um, you know, just, just impact a little bit. I've, I've learned to not join in when there's crude language or, you know, jokes that are in a bit inappropriate or, you know, at the start kind of teasing the fact that they're married or their spouse or, um, you know, talking about other, other, joking about other women and things are borderline sexist, uh, racist, uh, all those kind of things. Just sometimes the absence of laughter or support speaks louder than words. Um, you know, without having to have a go at them, just actually not joining in has actually been really, really impactful. Um, also standing up for the gospel in a way that brings truth. And I want to share a story. When I was back at uni, I'm not going to say when or reveal, but when I was back at uni, I was studying uh, performing arts at Monash Clayton. 
And uh, the uni lecturer was, I don't know why she got onto the Bible, but she started slamming it. And she started talking about, look, I mean, it's just so contradictory. In the Old Testament, it says, uh, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And then in the New Testament, it says, turn the other cheek. So it just, just totally contradicts itself. Well, I thought, okay, I have to do this. I have to do this. I remember my training. I know my Bible. I put up my hand and said, actually, can I just speak into that? And to explain how I said it, I'd like to get Jacob up here. Prearranged Jacob. Come up here, buddy. Uh, let's give Jacob a, a hand. Oh, look, he's so tall. Just, just one little step. So many people in this room are so jealous of you, right? Um, and I explained it like this. Now, a lot of people think that uh, it means revenge, eye for an eye for tooth or tooth. So I'm going to just tell a story. So we're back in Old Testament time. You don't have to do anything. You just have to stand there and look good, man. That's all right, because he's thinking, you haven't told me anything. Um, we are in BC times, okay? And Jacob's my neighbor. And I don't know why, but he just seems to just irritate me. He's got a good job, he's newlywed, he's, he's wealthy, he's educated, he's always smiling, and he outclaps me every time we're at synagogue. It just, just gets on my nerves a little bit. And one time I come home from work and he's left his wooden wheelbarrow in my front yard. Oh, that does it. I'm just, I'm livid. It just sets me off. And in a fit of rage, I get my petrol and I set light to Jacob's wheelbarrow. <laughs> now, what people think is that that means he has the right now to come and do the same thing to my wheelbarrow. But actually, it doesn't mean that at all. What it means is that if Jacob chooses to take me to court, I then need to repay him his wheelbarrow. So it's not like we end up with zero wheelbarrows. He has one, I have one. And by law. So that's what it means, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's not speaking revenge, just speaking restoration of goods, right? Now, what Jesus does in the New Testament, he says, hey, why don't we take it a step further? So let's say I burn Jacob's wheelbarrow. And instead of getting, uh, you know, taking me to court, he actually goes, comes to my front door. And he goes, hey, Tristan, I, I don't know why you did that to my wheelbarrow, but is everything all right? You know, I'm... Just want to check on you and, and just say, you know, no hard feelings. And his forgiveness actually speaks volumes to me. Now, this, the onus is on me whether I've, I'm a jerk and choose to just slam the door in his face. But imagine if, so what Jacob's just done is actually an act of worship because he's shown forgiveness. And hopefully I then have this kind of response. Oh, man, I was such a jerk. I don't know why I did that. I'm just, I'm going through a bit of stress and stuff. And I'm so sorry I did that to you. I'm going to get you another wheelbarrow. And I'll throw in a six pack of wine, Israel's finest. Um, and so now what we have is a restoration of not just goods, but a restoration of relationship. And that's why Jesus takes it that one step further and says, it's not just getting goods. Why don't we actually help restore people? See how Jesus is fulfilling the law? Not contradicting it. No, I didn't explain it that well, okay? I've had time to rehearse this. <laughs> but I said that to the uni lecturer, and she actually thanked me and said, oh, I had no idea that's what it meant. And so I actually did. Why don't we give Jacob a hand? Thanks so much, mate. Just, just, I just wanted an excuse to get you up here. He's so hot right now. Um, <laughs> um, and, and she actually thanked me. And so I was, I was being an ambassador that actually did it in a, in a gentle, not offensive way. There's another time, a lot of things happened at uni, uh, where there's a whole bunch of uh, students, drum students sitting around. And um, again, they start slamming the church. And 
saying, why the church is just always after your money? You know, why don't they just stick to, one girl, I think her name was Jessica, why don't they just stick to preaching and helping the poor? And I said, hey, can I just speak into that? Is that okay? I said, I actually go to church. And no, I didn't start yelling at her and saying, you have no right. That's offensive and that's, uh, that's abuse. You know, I said, can I just speak into that? I said, um, when you leave uni, you want to get a job. Let's just say you get a job as a drama teacher in a school. Do you want them to pay you? She goes, yeah. I said, what if not only they didn't pay you, but you were expected to buy all your own resources and paper and everything else? Would, would, and you had to actually, and what if they expe- expected you to pay for the students as well? She goes, would you stay there? She goes, no. I said, well, actually, pastors, reverence, priests, they actually need to get paid for what they do. And not only that, if they're going to help the poor, like you said, uh, they actually need resource to do that. And she goes, oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. She just defaulted to, you know, the church this, the church that. Actually just bringing a little bit of truth and perspective. And she actually thanked me back. And everyone in the group goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, they do need to get paid. Like, I think there's just some magical amount of money that falls out of heaven for pastors. Anyway, uh, so just a couple of examples there where you can just be that gentle ambassador. Number three, an ambassador is prepared. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts, honour Christ the Lord as holy. Always, this is one of my favourite scriptures, always being prepared. Everyone say always. Being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Let's be honest. If most Christians have had this as their mantra over the years, a lot of the hurt that had been had by people in the church probably could have been avoided, right? Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have and do it with gentleness and respect. Amen to that. Can you imagine an ambassador in ancient times sent by a king who wasn't ready, he wasn't prepared. He gets to the other king and he goes, oh, hello, king. Um, yeah, I've, I've, I've sent to deliver a message. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've traveled so far, I forgot what it was. Uh, something like, um, my king wants to seduce you. No, that's not it. Uh, my king wants to misuse you. No, no, it'll come to me. Uh, my king wants to abuse you. No, he wants to reduce you. No, no, that's not it. No, oh, sorry, he wants to introduce you to his new wife. Sorry, got there in the end. Did anyone else hear Hugh Grant's voice or Basil Fawlty there? Uh, an ambassador must be prepared. I love this, uh, ver- uh, this verse in the TPT version, Colossians 4, 6. Let every word you speak... Be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity. So then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. I want to speak about a woman in my life that is an absolute inspiration when it comes to sharing her faith. And that is my wife. Well, I'm glad that she's here now. Cheryl just has this deal with God. I don't know when she did it, but she just is able to share her faith it's, it's amazing. There's a story when we're living in Doncaster and um, a couple of Mormons came to the door. Now, I know me. I've got to be honest. I'm probably hiding in the back of the house, just trying not to move. Go away. Go away. Just got to stand still and not breathe for one minute. And I go, Cheryl, no, she will grab her resources and run to the door and, and proceed to take them through. Again, this is stuff you learn at Bible College. I just want to encourage you do the internship and stuff like that and she she took her resources and proceeded to show them the error of how they've interpreted scripture to the point where they were like whoa 
we've got, we've got to think about this. And they left. Two weeks later, another couple of Mormons come to the door. Cheryl rushes to the door, starts taking them through it again. And just as they start to listen, they, they step back and go, well, hang on, what number is this? And they look at their notes. I'm sorry, we've been told to avoid this house. <laughs> True story. So if you want to get rid of them, that's the way to do it. It makes me sick how easy she is. She's actually shopping at a, where she gets her horse supplies, horse feed. And the lady who's not a Christian just, just starts opening up to her. She doesn't even do a thing now. She starts asking about God and about church and everything else. It's just easy. Or is it? Because I actually believe, and I've seen it in her life and my life, that when you're prepared, God actually brings people along your path. This, Cheryl actually has a saying. If you're getting ready for a baby, you have to prepare the nursery. If you're getting ready for a baby Christian, you've got to prepare the nursery. We've just had the great news, haven't we, of the Robinsons with their baby. Imagine if they didn't prepare the nursery, came home, there's nothing there. Wouldn't be good preparation, would it? And so what Cheryl's saying is that if, if you're actually believing for God to use you to lead someone to Christ, you've got to be ready for the follow-up. Uh, this isn't biblical, but I, I, I believe, and you can disagree with me, that people can only hear the gospel message so much before they start to become calloused to it, before they start to just go, oh, I've heard it, I've heard this, I've heard this. And so why would God waste that opportunity with someone who's not prepared? That's full on, I'm sorry, but it is. But if you're prepared, and this church does gospel messages really well. Pastor Ben and Ruth and Matt, Pastor Sarah, when they preach, amazing they, they model the way for us how to share our faith with others. So it's not just about, you know, when we come to that part in the sermon, it's not for us to switch off and think, oh, this is not relevant for us. Why don't you, I'd encourage you, maybe take notes of what, what Pastor Ben is saying next time he does a gospel message. And when he, you know, would you be able to lead someone through a prayer of salvation? Would you be able to do that? Would you be able to share the redemption story, what happened in the garden and what happened when we sinned and that Christ came and that he will come again and establish his kingdom eternally forever. Would you be able to share that message? And if not, maybe that might be a good thing for you to do. And you might find that God brings those divine appointments across your path. Amen? Is that okay? Uh, we've spent a bit of time, as I said, at the National Conference this week, and um, uh, we, we attended their community engagement stream on Tuesday. We had the privilege of listening to uh, Tom Tate. Has anyone, anyone heard of Tom Tate? He is the mayor of Gold Coast, and he is a full-on Bible-believing Christian. Oh, it's incredible. And he's come under so much attack. He actually appointed a, a female pastor to be kind of his spiritual advisor and guide and things like that and to put praying for him wherever he goes. And he's come under so much fire. He said week after week he was getting slammed on the front cover of the newspaper. He was asked, what has been the most surprising or challenging part of him being mayor? He said, well, the thing that he wasn't expecting is that he is mayor 24-7. So no matter whether he's in the office, on TV, or on the beach with his family, he is always being watched. He's always mayor. In fact, he told the story when he was in Thailand. So this is on his leave, you know, he's on his two weeks holiday with his family. The Thai uh, prime minister learns that he is there and requests his presence, to which, of course, he said, yes, I'll be there. And, you know, I had to leave family time to go and uh, do what was necessary as an ambassador, in a sense, for Australia. He was actually the first Australian representative to offer the hand of friendship between Australia and China post-COVID, which actually did a lot of things. Um, all this 
was whilst he was just chilling on his holidays. And, and I think that's challenging for us. Do we have that kind of readiness? I really pray that when you leave here, you'd see, you don't know, just see yourselves as God's ambassadors when you are here or when you're at a church-related thing or when you're speaking about God to someone. But you see yourself all the time as an ambassador. That's our role. Imagine if every Christian in the world saw themselves as Christ's ambassador, that that is our number one mission. Imagine what we could accomplish. And it doesn't take a whole lot of work to do that. It's just a mind shift. It's just eyes to see that all the time, be ready. You know, Paul says pray without ceasing. He doesn't mean to always mean we're to be praying. That's impractical and impossible. He just means always be in communication with God. Always be ready to hear from God. And as ambassadors, we should always be ready to share our faith. Amen? Number four, an ambassador takes enemy ground. An ambassador doesn't really take enemy ground, but they do go on to enemy ground. I want to set the scene. This is 13th century BC, and the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for a while. They finally get delivered thanks to the hands of Moses and God, and they get delivered from Pharaoh. God's doing all these miracles. He's taken the, ch- the wheels off Pharaoh's chariot. He's split the Red Sea. They've come through it. He's also going to be doing things like giving them a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, manna to eat every day. In fact, he says he's not going to let their sandals wear out. That's pretty good. Imagine if you buy, let me put it this way, you buy the latest $500 Nikes or Prada shoes. Is it, do Prada make shoes? It's probably a good thing I don't know about high heels. Uh, um, and you get the latest one worth 500000 and God says, I'm going to never let them wear out. That's a pretty good deal. And God never lets their sandals wear out. And they've seen all, the, all these things. Actually, an 11-day journey on foot. Only 11 days from Egypt to Canaan, the promised land, modern-day Jerusalem. God had promised centuries before to Abraham that they would have this land. They've sung about it. They've got poems about it. They've got their scriptures about it. They teach their children about it. Yet, when Moses sends in 12, they're called spies, but actually the word is closer to ambassador, by the way. Send in the 12 to observe Canaan, and they see a fortified wall, and they said the people were huge. And they expected it to be a walkover. They come back and only two, one-sixth of those that went actually said, yeah, we've got this. God's got this. We, we, can, we can take this city. The other 10 said, no, nah, <clears throat> we've got to go back to Egypt. Let's go back to being slaves. God was just so disappointed. He actually said, you guys, you're actually not going to live now. And you and your generation aren't going to live to see the promised land. This isn't just a one-off thing. They'd, as I said, they've been believing for this for so long, but their mentality to not see things as ambassadors for God, but as slaves, uh, meant that what should have been, it was about a one and a half year journey now because Moses had spent a couple of 40 days on the mountain praying, throwing a bit of rebellion, a golden calf, mixing an earthquake for good measure. Uh, It stretched out to about a year and a half. And now God says it'd actually be 40 years before you get to enter the promised land. Now, um, we've got uh, Caleb and, and Joshua, they're the two that actually believed. I bet you can't name any of the other 10. Might have turned out a whole lot differently, hey? Our own Caleb Atkinson might have been called Gadai, Emil, or Agal. When he comes back from holidays, when you see him, call him Agal, okay? He'd be really confused. Might have been a whole lot different if they'd actually believed. Now, we're peacemakers. We've got to be prepared. We're going to take enemy ground. And by enemy, I mean the enemy of our soul right? Darkness, evil, Satan. 
Do we have eyes of faith like Joshua and Caleb? Remember that you being an ambassador doesn't mean you go in and shouting your head off at everyone. It just means you're a light bearer. You're Christ's light bearer in a dark place. So that's taking enemy ground. I want to share a story of when I was um, back in Kmart. So I was uh, 20. I actually got married around that time. I had a daughter and I was working at Kmart. I was a replenishment boy while I was studying at university. Uh, Replenishment guys or girls are the ones that come out and put the stock back on the shelves, right? So... um, and this particular Kmart, I won't say where it was, was known as, I can't say the word, begins with B, the most gossipy, okay, you get the word, um, Kmart in the whole of Australia. It was notorious for a very toxic environment. And, um, and I soon found that out because we'd, we'd meet together in the morning, the boss had come in, he'd say stuff and they'd all be like, yeah, 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 it sounds good, sounds good. He'd go and they would just gossip about him, say horrible things about him. Did you know that he did this on the weekend? Do you know that he does that? And I was like, aren't we here to do a job? Aren't we paid to actually put stuff out there? Um, but I didn't challenge him about it. All I decided to do is to make a decision that when I clock off, clock on to when I clock off, I will do everything I can to not engage with that and to encourage the boss and find out a bit more about him and say some nice things amongst the group. After three weeks of doing this, I get, the boss comes up to me and he says, um, Tristan, come with me. I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> I'm in trouble. And, uh, and, he, and he takes me to the top of uh, the shopping center, um, has buildings, buildings that go up. He takes me up there and he says, um, you're gonna, and, and, and basically what was happening is the heads of Coles Meyer were meeting and uh, they're all in their suits. I'm in my navy blue polo with, with bits of cardboard and sticky tape and dirt all over me. And, and he says, they're going to they're gonna ask you about your work ethic. And so I, I go into this meeting. I sit down. There's guys in suits. And, and they say, now, Tristan, we've heard you've got a, a really good work ethic. Can you speak about that? And, uh, and I said, yeah, sure. Well, I said, well, look. I'm a Christian, and so I think there's some really good things from the Bible for how we should treat others. So one of them is um, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And I said, so I've, I've tried to do that because I try and think about how I would feel if other people were saying stuff about me, so I make sure I don't do it. And the other one is, is to you know, so, uh, honor those that are placed in leadership above you. I shared those two things. They said, thank you very much. It's a very professional attitude. And, uh, and they asked me to leave. Well, I didn't know, but they're actually writing the new code of ethics for all Coles Meyer Kmart employees. There was 12 points and two points that got written into those 12 points were straight from the Bible. Yeah. So when people signed up, I don't know if it still is, but when people signed up, they had to sign to say, yes, they're going to live out those two biblical truths plus another 10. This is just, this isn't me going in and, and bringing in a Bible and shouting them down and calling down fire from heaven. This is just me just trying to have a Christ-like attitude. I tried to see everything as an ambassador for Christ. So I'm just telling that story to encourage you. This week in your workplaces, just have that mindset. See yourself as on a mission. Number five, an ambassador is not ashamed. It'd be pretty poor if the ambassador for Australia, in Germany, for instance, uh, was ashamed to be an Australian, wouldn't it? Represent Australia, but they actually start bad-mouthing our Prime Minister and our policies and everything else. Uh, would, not only would he be very ineffective, he'd actually denigrate the view of Australians in all Germans' eyes, wouldn't he or she? See, the job of an, uh, an ambassador is to represent the values and policies of their government. If you're ashamed or afraid to speak up for your country, as I said, 
it wouldn't be very effective. And likewise, a follower of Christ is not ashamed of the gospel. In fact, Romans 1.16 is my life verse. If you don't know what a life verse is, if you're a follower of Christ, I'd encourage you to get one. A verse that just speaks to you the most, that you live by. Okay, so mine is Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. In fact, uh, I got a tattoo made of it um, in December last year. I got a cross and it has not ashamed. Now, funny story, uh, my mum, she hates tattoos. Now, don't worry if you've got a tattoo and you're sitting near her. She loves the person. She just hates the tattoo. <laughs> and I was at church a couple of weeks after. She came to church and, uh, and, she, and I said to mum, I've got to tell you, I've actually got a tattoo. And she goes, oh, I know. <laughs> yes, we, 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 we saw it on TV. I'd live in leading worship and she's watching church. A couple of, <laughs> and she saw it poking out. And they actually started a family group chat about whether Tristan had a tattoo or not. They're taking up close-ups on the screen of my tattoo and they're posting to each other. Pretty sure it's a tattoo. <laughs> so sorry, mum. I did say to mum I'm going to get mum just tattooed across just, just to honour her. Uh, but she didn't want it for some reason. <laughs> but getting a tattoo with not a shave is not what I'm talking about, of course. In light of what it means to be Christ's ambassadors, we can, always, we can really see why Jesus rams at home here with Mark 8.38. He says... For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. 2 Timothy 2.15 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Why would we want to be ashamed? Why would we have a bowl? In fact, uh, when Cheryl and I were pastoring a church, uh, our men's leader came up with the slogan, smash the bowl. You know, in the scripture in Matthew 5, where it says, neither do people light a lamp and put a bowl over it. And we actually thought, well, why do we actually have a bowl at all? Why would there ever be a circumstance where we would shy away from the fact that we are followers of Christ? So we actually came up with the slogan. We had bands and everything, smash the bowl. So there should be no situation, especially in Australia, where we should have a reason to ever hide our light. Amen? Paul actually says in this letter, just a little bit before, he says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now, persuade is a strong word. And you're thinking right now, oh, you're going down that evangelism route. But that is that higher calling. Um. But you can actually do it in, a, in another really practical way. Two really, really easy ways to let people know you're a Christian. Two really easy ways. And I'm sure most of you have done this. When someone asks you what you're doing on the weekend, first thing I say is I'm going to church or I've been at church. And I, I also try and let them know how cool my church is. <laughs> so I say, we actually have a full band and lights and everything. Because and, a lot of people think it's different, right? They have a preconceived idea. So I let them know that we have relevant messages that aren't in another language that no one understands. Um, we actually have a message that you, can, you, know, you can come to and invite people to. And then the other way is to offer to pray for someone when they're going through a hard time. Really, really, not just effective, but a beautiful thing to do. I actually had it down in my notes that 95% of the time people don't get offended. I would actually like to upgrade that to 100% of the time. I've never had anyone get offended at me asking to offer to pray for them. It's actually a really nice thing to do, isn't it? In fact, you see it on TV. I was watching a footy panel the other day where they mentioned a footballer that had passed away uh, in his old age. And they say, what do they say? Our thoughts and prayers go out to the family. 
we can actually offer to pray. We can. We were uh, on a cruise, Cheryl and I, at the end of 2019. I know, it must be nice. <laughs> she won't go on it again after COVID and everything now. We've got to try and twist her arm again. But uh, we... Um, she, she, she sees herself as an ambassador way more than me. I was just wanting to relax on this cruise. But there comes an opportunity to, um, to befriend a lady there, a single mum with her daughter, and, um, and we had the privilege of leading her to Christ, which was really, really cool. Um, we befriended her over the course of the cruise. But we also met another guy called Shane. And, uh, and it turns out that he actually, uh, even though this departed from Sydney and everything, he actually lived really close to me, and I ended up teaching piano to his daughter when we came back. And... Uh, and he, he hadn't brought her for a couple of weeks and, and I rang him up and said, hey, man, is everything okay? And he proceeded to tell me that he's really, really unwell. In fact, the doctors don't know what's wrong with him. And so I thought, okay, I've got to muster the courage to do this. You know, can I be honest? This doesn't just roll off your tongue, this kind of stuff. It does, you, do ten, you need 10 seconds of courage right there, all right? You've got to muster up the courage to do something. So I said, hey, man, um, I don't know if you know or not, but I'm a Christian. And um, do, you, do you believe in God? And he goes, oh, well, I... I believe in a higher power. I said, well, can I, let me introduce you to the highest power there is. I believe in Jesus and actually believe that he heals today. Um, and his Bible says it and millions of testimonies declare it, that God still heals today. And I said, can I pray for you? Do you believe that Jesus can heal you? And he said, yeah, yeah, that'd be good. And so I prayed with him on the phone and it turns out that he actually got better and fully healed, which is so cool. But I think the greater miracle is that he actually saw God at work in his life and and actually saw that it's not just some mystical power, it's actually the person by the name of Jesus, amen? And, and so those two opportunities to help people that you go to church and to offer to pray to people, really, really simple and effective ways to show yourself as an ambassador. Final point today, Jesus, he was the ultimate ambassador, wasn't he? He was the ultimate ambassador. The difference between a modern-day diplomat and ambassador is that a diplomat flies into another country for a short while, negotiates, performs their duties, and then comes back. But an ambassador actually goes and lives in that land. They've got to embrace the culture. They've got to embrace the sport and their public holidays and their history and everything else while still remaining true to the country to which they belong. Wasn't Jesus such the uh, ultimate ambassador? He left his homeland in heaven. And he embraced mankind. He didn't fly in and fly out. He was born here. He lived here for roughly 33 years and would have stayed longer, I'm sure, if he wanted to, but it was God's will that he should die. He knew he had a job to do and he was sent by the Father. John 8, 42, Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me, for I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. They're definitely words of an ambassador, aren't they? He knew he had a job to do. But why did Jesus come? If I were to do a poll as to the reasons you think Jesus came, probably the number one answer on Family Feud would be to save mankind. And you wouldn't be wrong with that. Or maybe to redeem those under the law. We know John 3.16 says, and we all know it, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. We carry that message as ambassadors. What an incredible message. Let's not shy away from it. You know, when people before Christ sinned, they would have to make a sacrifice. There would have to be the shedding of blood. They'd have to go to Jerusalem. And in fact, there would be a high priest that could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year 
to make atonement for the sins of all the people. Quite a process and quite a burden to be under. And Jesus came to reconcile us to the Father and to die and be that once and for all sacrifice. He shed blood on that cross. No longer do we need to do that with animals, right? He was that ultimate sacrifice. No longer do we need to have a holy pilgrimage to Jerusalem. We can right here, right now, make our peace with God. We can ask for the forgiveness of sins. And if we believe that Christ was raised from the dead, and that He's our Lord and Savior, right here, right now, we can accept Him into our hearts and have eternal life. That's what Jesus did. In fact, biblically, there are 30 reasons why Jesus came. How about you close your eyes just as I say these 30 things and just let it seep in. He came to do the will of the Father, to bring light to a dark world, to be made like His people, to bear witness to the truth, to destroy the devil and his works, to give eternal life, to receive worship, to bring great joy, to demonstrate true humility, to preach good news, to bring judgment, to give His life a ransom for many, to fulfill the law and prophets, to reveal God's love for sinners, to call sinners to repentance, to seek and save the lost, to serve, to bring peace, to bind up the brokenhearted, to give us the spirit of adoption, to make us partakers of the divine nature, to reign as King, to restore human nature to holiness, to be a merciful and faithful high priest, to be the second and greater Adam to satisfy our deepest thirst, to be loved by God's children, to reveal God's glory, to save sinners and to die. What a friend we have in Jesus. What an ambassador we have in Jesus. And maybe you already have made a decision to follow Christ today. You would call yourself a follower and you want to take that to that next level to be an ambassador for Christ. Lord Jesus, for all those that feel that way, that are ready to go to that next higher calling, to not lower their colours just to try and attempt to fit in with unbelievers, but actually see themselves as ambassadors for Christ, to love and bring peace to others, bring joy to others, and to reconcile them to God. For those here today that want to do that, God, I just pray that you strengthen them. I pray that you open our eyes into this deeper calling for us to see ourselves, not just on Sunday, but 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, to see ourselves with that calling, that we are your ambassadors. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today, and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.